Welcome to r slash pro revenge, where cheating spouses get their careers obliterated. Our first Reddit post is from Waffles R Forever. Douchebag and Sarah have been like family to my wife and I for several years, practically ever since we moved in across the street from them. The four of us were extremely tight. Our kids are the same age as theirs and are all good friends. We were one big family unit. We did dinner together a few times a week. We went on vacations together. I truly saw Douchebag as a brother, and my wife and Sarah were very close too. Five months ago, I was completely blindsided by the discovery of an affair between my wife and Douchebag. My wife had left her email open on our computer, and I saw an email from her to her longtime therapist saying that Douchebag would be joining her at an upcoming session again. Uh, WTF? My mind started racing. Why in the world would Douchebag be going to her therapy sessions without my knowledge? I did a search and found some other emails to and from the therapist proving that Douchebag had been going to sessions together with her for about six weeks. I checked our mobile phone account and discovered that since late summer, they had been exchanging hundreds of texts every day, peaking at nearly 500 a day by the holidays. Speaking of the holidays, my wife and I hosted both of our families, parents, siblings, etc. for both Thanksgiving and Christmas dinner. And Douchebag and Sarah joined us either for dinner or after dinner on both holidays. Text records showed that the entire time that they were at our house celebrating with our families, my wife and Douchebag were texting each other across the room. They were doing that pretty much every time the four of us hung out. For months. And, you know, all day every day, just in general. But what bothers me the most is that they were doing it with Sarah and I right there. I confronted my wife with the evidence and she admitted that, yes, she and Douchebag had fallen in love. It just happened. I don't know how. But I love him and I just don't feel anything for you anymore. I'm sorry. They'd gone on a school district trip together. Something had happened in her hotel room and things had moved quickly from there. She explained, as I lay face down on the couch, unable to look at her, that they had already made plans to move out and divorce me and Sarah. And while they didn't plan to move in together immediately because of the kids, they'd probably do so eventually. The meetings with the therapist were supposedly mostly for the purpose of finding a way to break this to me and Sarah as gently as possible. Because they were so very concerned for our well-being. Sarah and I are fairly certain that they weren't planning on telling us about the affair at all. And were simply going to discover their feelings for one another several months down the line. After they'd come up with some other reason to divorce the two of us. My wife moved out two months ago. I was, and still am, utterly destroyed. I cry every day. I cried writing the first few paragraphs of this story just now. I worry non-stop about the impact on our kids. But I'm also not exactly a shrinking violet when I feel like I've been wronged. And in this case, I was objectively very, very wronged. 
So a couple of years ago, Douchebag ran for a Board of Education seat as a pretty extreme underdog. I helped him with his campaign materials and debate prep, and my wife, a well-known school district employee, this becomes important later, got the word out as best she could. Much to our surprise, he actually won in a squeaker by just a few dozen votes. Being on the board became the center of douchebag's world. He joined every committee that he could. This turned into the foundation of his affair with my wife, as they were constantly going to school events and meetings together on evenings and weekends. Once I discovered the affair, my thoughts turned pretty quickly to revenge. And it occurred to me that an extramarital affair between a member of the Board of Education and an employee of the school district was at least bad politics and possibly violated district policy. Making things far worse for them was that my wife was in the running for an open administrative position, and everyone knew that she was more or less guaranteed the job and the major pay raise that came with it. She had just finished her master's degree in school administration at the urging of her principal and the superintendent so that she could be promoted to this specific position. I had plenty of evidence of the affair, Texts from both of them admitting to it. Text records showing that they were texting hundreds of times a day. Emails to and from the therapist, etc. I considered simply emailing all of the evidence to the board and the superintendents, but felt like I, as the grieving, betrayed spouse, might not be seen as a credible source. So instead, I invented a fictitious furious friend who was planning on showing up to the next board meeting and publicly shaming the two of them for their affair. I told my wife that I'd tried to talk this person down, but couldn't guarantee that they wouldn't show up and humiliate them publicly. As I expected, this led Douchebag to conclude that the only option was for him to preemptively admit the affair to the board. The superintendent subsequently recommended that Douchebag resign, which he did. Sarah said that he was utterly humiliated and crushed and barely got out of bed for a few days afterwards. Once word of the affair and douchebag's resignation started getting around, the superintendent, a longtime friend of both my wife and douchebag, contacted my wife and tearfully informed her that it was no longer politically appropriate for her to be promoted to an administrative position within the district. The position that had been lined up for her was later filled by an outside candidate. This sent waves of confusion and rumor throughout the district, as it was pretty well known that my wife was getting the job. The day after she was informed that she wasn't getting the promotion, my wife and I, despite our crumbling marriage, took our son out to breakfast together on his birthday, and a parent stopped by our table to congratulate her on her new role. She said thanks, then excused herself to go cry in the bathroom for a while. I let the dust settle for a couple of weeks, and then, right before my wife moved out, let them in on my little secret. There was never a furious friend threatening to expose them in the first place. Just me. Word of all this has gotten around our fairly small town, which Douchebag grew up in and my wife has worked in for nearly 20 years. My wife refuses to talk to me about how things are at work right now. 
but I've heard from some people I know in the district that her formerly spotless reputation has taken a major hit. Douchebag, formerly a gregarious social presence in our neighborhood and at events and pubs and towns, has completely gone underground and barely emerges to mow his lawn. He's moving out soon to a sucky little townhouse, which is all he can afford due to all the child support he's going to have to pay his wife. My wife and douchebag claim that they plan on trying to make things work together, despite all the public humiliation. I wish them lots of luck with that. I'm sure it will be a lot of fun to show their faces together in town. So, (laughs) who else out there is imagining OP hooking up with Sarah and the two of them living happily ever after while spending douchebags child support? Because I know I am. That would be the perfect ending to this pro-revenge. Our next Reddit post is from Might As Well. So this story takes place like five years ago when my husband and I were broke college students with a young baby. We worked hard to afford our sucky little duplex, 600 bucks a month and necessities while trying to finish our degrees to one day get ahead. Our duplex was one in an entire neighborhood owned by a large company and managed by a super sketchy married couple who lived on the same street. Before our kid was born, we did the normal excited new parent thing of painting his nursery and decorating, blah blah blah. Our lease stated we needed permission to paint, which we obtained from the property manager, the husband of the couple. He insisted it would be fine, and being young and naive, we didn't get it in writing because he was so chill about it. So we paint and move on with our lives. A little while later, our lease was up and we had given notice to vacate as we were moving closer to my husband's school. The property manager was understanding, everything was fine, and we scheduled our move out inspection. Prior to this inspection, we specifically asked him for the name of the paint color we needed to use when repainting the nursery. He flat out refused to give it, saying it was unnecessary to paint as we'd been there for so long they'd be painting the whole duplex anyway. Okay, cool. Move out inspection day comes and goes. We left the house in better shape than we found it, aside from a small area of torn carpet right along a seam in the doorway. The property manager inspected and said everything looked great and we should get our whole deposit back, 400 bucks, minus a few bucks for the torn carpet. Sounds good, boss. Enter a period of weeks where we waited and waited for our deposit, eventually leaving messages upon messages with false promises or no return calls at all. Eventually, over a month later, this culminated in a phone call with the property manager where he said, and I remember this almost verbatim, I don't know what you're so worried about anyway. It's only like $200 you're getting back. He cited the painted nursery and the huge mess left behind as deductions. And I coldly informed him we'd be going to court then because we didn't feel we owed for those reasons. The place was spotless when we left, aside from the six pack of beer we left him in the fridge for being chill. Not one hour later, he called back and miraculously, our refund check had just shown up in the mail. Already knowing he was trying to screw us, we installed a recording app on my phone, we're in a one-party consent state, and went to the office. 
The check indeed was only for $200 of our deposit and included no list of what they charged us for. Unimportant detail. We intentionally goaded him into admitting that he had told us not to paint and that the house looked great on move out and went on our happy way, revenge plan already unfolding. We didn't cash the check and instead emailed the CEO of the entire property company, copying in the property manager and detailing the entire process. The CEO sent back a smarty pants email with a cute little typed up list of deductions, including all the things we were specifically told we wouldn't be on the hook for. A fun detail was that even by his own math, they owed us 230 of our deposit. No one really had an answer for why they tried to issue a check for $200, but whatever. Joke was on him because we began digging through all the state regulations on security deposits and refunds, hoping to prove that our length of stay meant he couldn't charge us for wear and tear things like carpet cleaning, etc. And in our search, we instead happened upon a statute requiring landlords to return security deposit refunds and an itemized list of deductions within 30 days or lose the right to withhold for actual damages and be subject to treble damages if the landlord is thought to be maliciously withholding the refund. So we typed up a demand letter for our entire security deposit, citing the statute, which he had broken because we didn't receive any refund offer or itemized list until six weekends later. And when he sent a smarty pants reply, we filed in small claims court for our entire deposit plus treble damages and court costs. Now, I don't know if it's clear at this point, but I can be really freaking petty if I feel like someone is trying to F with me. And it was clear this guy made a career out of stealing money from low income renters who likely could never afford to fight it. I was pissed. I spent the next month before our court date compiling all email correspondence in which he'd screwed himself over numerous times by providing written documentation that he exceeded time limits, charged incorrect amounts, etc. I also compiled phone records showing dozens upon dozens of unanswered and unreturned calls to the property manager and detailed accounts I'd made immediately after hanging up of lies from the property manager. I printed out a screenshot from the company's own website detailing the CEO's role as the legal advisor. So I could innocently claim Shouldn't he have known the statutes for these issues? I printed all the relevant statutes and highlighted the important parts. <laughs> and then I made three freaking copies of everything and nicely compiled each in a binder complete with sleeve protectors and page numbers. One for our own reference, one for the butthole property manager and or the CEO. We weren't sure who would show up. And one for the judge himself. We also took our handy little recording of the property manager admitting to all the stuff he lied about and then pretending to have never said. <laughs> Needless to say, the judge laughed at how prepared we were, asked if we were law students, and then awarded us treble damages and court fees as well as interest. I will never forget the CEO's face when, <laughs> when we looked over and smiled at him.
All his butthole emails and disregard for the law were on the table, and rather than giving us the original 350 or so we were promised from our deposit, he ended up paying us over $1,300 a month later. It was glorious. Oh, shoot. Edit. I completely forgot until my husband and I were just laughing hysterically about this. But the CEO also filed his response to our suit with a counterclaim for $1,225 for expenses incurred as a result of the actions of plaintiff. He never really said how he got that number. But in his last email before we sued, he did say, I hope we can avoid litigation in this matter, but we will engage aggressively if forced to do so. Lol. I wasn't sure if people would love this story as much as I do, but here we are. So I'm including my husband's final email to the CEO before court. Man, he has a way with words. <laughs> and I'm going to read this email to you right now. Mr. Blank. This afternoon, we will be filing a case in small claims court against the corporation you represent, blank. By not returning our security deposit within 30 days of the end of the lease, without providing an itemized list of deductions within the same time period, you have violated codes such and such. You thereby forfeit any right to withhold any portion of the security deposit. Additionally, we are entitled to sue for up to three times the amount illegally withheld, unless you can show by a preponderance of the evidence that this was an accident. Our phone record showing well over a dozen unreturned phone calls, the fact that the check was not dated until the 6th of April, seven days after the 30-day deadline, the fact that the check was not made available to us until the 16th of April, 17 days after the deadline, as well as the fact that your company deducted $200 from the deposit, despite having only $170 in documented damages show quite clearly that this was not an honest mistake. We tried to deal with this outside of court, and we asked for only $382. Because of your failure to meet our reasonable requests, despite your obvious violation of the law, we will now be suing for $1,425. That's the $400 security deposit plus the $75 refundable pet deposit times three, plus $18.91 for certified letter costs, plus interest on the amount owed determined by date of judgment plus cost of the legal process, estimated $85. We tried to settle this amicably and for a small amount. Now we will settle this legally and for the maximum amount allowable by law. We have no desire to settle outside of court for any amount less than $1,425, plus all costs already incurred. There is no need for you to contact us. Sincerely, blank. Plus, we have a similar story down in the comments. Same thing happened to us. We had the move-in condition list that the screen was ripped and the carpet was in poor shape, plus receipts of two additional times asking them to repair the screen. Upon move out, we had a professional cleaner, a relative, who helped us clean. Plus, we took photos of everything pre-move in and post-move out. This sucky religious older couple, the praise Jesus types with religious iconography all over the office walls, managed the place. We went ballistic when they refused to give us our full deposit back. 
We took a drive to the property owner's corporate office and showed them everything. They started an investigation and found they had been ripping everyone off, not doing the required repairs and pocketing the deposits. Mr. and Mrs. Jesus Freak were sentenced to 10 years in state prison. Fight back and always take photos. That was r slash pro revenge. And if you enjoyed this video, please consider subscribing because I am getting closer and closer to 1 million subs. And there might just be a special surprise waiting for you at 1 million subs. We'll be back with more r slash content right after this short break. Welcome to r slash entitled parents where an insane mother brings a shotgun to school. Our first Reddit post is from Jenilyn. So yeah, backstory. My first daughter's middle name is after my husband's late mother. Her date of passing was the same date as our due date. So we decided to honor her by naming our daughter's middle name after her. Fast forward to my second and current pregnancy. We're having another girl. And since nobody else had any memorable date matchups with the due date, we decided to name her after whatever name we found. We picked the middle name Ash. My mother, also a major narcissist, is having none of this. Well, its middle name is going to be Lynn, right? After me? No, we only named our first like that because she isn't here. She died when my husband was 10. But it's my turn now! I've told her that no, we're not naming our daughter after her, but she brings it up often. And every time I tell her no, she starts having these guilt trip tantrums. But it's my turn! Would you rather be there to help raise your grandchild than to be dead and only remembered by name? Both! I swear. <laughs> this edit. Edit, just another fun thing. After I gave birth to my first child, I wanted to get a tattoo of her. Her name is of a flower. And I've been telling this to anyone who cares. Well, my mom texted me a picture one day of, you guessed it, a tattoo of said flower on her ankle. And the stem writes my daughter's name. I mean, she... <laughs> what a stupid move. I mean, she probably didn't need permission to do that. But it's kind of immature that she made sure to get it done before I could. <laughs> Good news, mom. I've named my daughter after you. Before her name was Jennifer Lawrence, now her name is Jennifer Stuck Up Grunt Lawrence. Our next Reddit post is from Dancing Stark. Background, my family is a tad complicated. I have three brothers. I'm the second to last kid and the only girl. My mother's been pregnant three times by three different men. My older brother is 25 and a teacher. My twin and I are 18 and seniors. My younger brother is 16 and a sophomore. We all teach at and attend the same school. To make things more complicated, we all took different last names. My brothers took their fathers while I have our mothers. Because of this, some people don't connect the dots that were related. Now onto the story. Junior year, my twin brother dated a girl for a couple months. She was very sweet. We were friendly, but never friends. After they broke up, they tried staying friends, but it didn't work. The girl took it rather well, but her mother didn't. She hated me and my brother from then on. Fast forward to senior year. It's the end of the day and I pop in to say goodbye to my older brother who teaches history. He jumps up very excited to tell me his boyfriend, now fiance, is coming to visit. 
We chat excitedly about it for a bit, then I hug him goodbye. At that moment, Entitled Mother storms in. She stops short when she sees us and her eyes narrow. <laughs> she looks between us like she's caught us at something. I should have known. She turns and leaves the room. Older brother and I look at each other confused. A minute later, Entitled Mother comes back with the principal. See, this little slut was throwing herself at this teacher. The principal looks very confused. He's known my family for years and knows we're siblings. Ma'am, I highly doubt that. I saw it happen. My brother says, ma'am, first of all, I'm gay. <laughs> Entitled mother makes a slight squeaking noise at this. Second, she's my sister. <laughs> The principal lost his cool at this point, laughing at this pathetic woman. She turns red, then white, then red again. She ran out of the room embarrassed. Graduation is soon, and I hope I never have to see her again. Unfortunately, I know she loves theater, and I work in a company that's local. Crossing my fingers, she'll never show up there. Hot mom walks in on teacher with stepsister. I think I've seen this exact video on Pornhub. Our next Reddit post is from Wyatt the God. So this isn't my story, but my social studies teachers who just moved here from Florida. I don't know if the entitled mother was high or something, but eventually she came to her senses. Also, I know it's a Florida woman, not a man, but no one really cares, so you can F off. So the teacher that Entitled Mother was mad at in particular wasn't my social studies teacher, but the kid was in her class. Now, this kid had the IQ of a goldfish. He missed half the classes, and my teacher wouldn't tell us what his grades were, but they were garbage. Now, he was absolutely bombing one of the classes. Like, he actually managed to get a negative grade in it. Points were taken off the assignment for it being late, and it was incorrect. So, I guess Entitled Mom had gotten the report card and had not been very happy. So, instead of considering the fact that her son literally had an IQ lower than his age, she decided a bright idea was to pull up to school with a freaking shotgun. Not even like a pistol. <laughs> not even like a pistol or anything, but a freaking shotgun. So naturally, the school goes into a code red lockdown and the police are called. Once the school goes into lockdown, Entitled Mother decides this is a good time to leave and go home. So, <laughs> so the SWAT team ends up searching the entire area for 30 minutes. After that, they go to the house and arrest this crazy lady, and she ends up arrested on various charges. Also, it turns out she had a criminal record and she wasn't even allowed to be holding a firearm. So that's a bonus. Just another day in Florida. This mother isn't just a helicopter mom. This woman is an attack helicopter mom. Our next Reddit post is from Green Bay Center. I lost my leg in a car accident. I was in rehab to learn to walk, so I was given a wheelchair to use when out and about for extended lengths of time. I'm about three months into rehab, which is going really well. I'm out in town doing a little gift shopping for the nurses helping with my rehab. I'm in a chocolate shop grabbing a few bits and I stand up from my chair to grab something off the top shelf, a large selection box, when the entitled parent comes over. 
You're not disabled. I'm taking this. I just dropped back into the chair. You can't. I need it. I was... She cuts me off mid-sentence. You're just conning the government for money. Get out so my daughter can use it. She's really tired. I was in an accident and had to learn to walk again. I need that chair. The tired kid says, Mommy, you said I could have it. I want to be pushed around. She said to her brat, I'll get it in a moment. You're clearly not an effing spastic, so get your dull jockey butt up and let my precious child have it. People like you make me effing sick claiming to be a retard, so you don't have to work sponging money off us hardworking people so you can live a comfy life. While she was saying this, I was slowly removing my leg and about five people in the shop staff were looking directly at us. You have till the count of five to get your effing lazy butt out of the chair or I'll drag you out of it. I just detach my leg and (laughs) as fast as I can, I go to hand it to her. (laughs) I scream, my leg's fallen off. Someone call a doctor. Has anyone seen my original leg? The entitled parent looks mortified and sputters an incoherent sentence. Me, still with a raised voice and waving my leg around like a flag. Help, I can't find my original leg. Everyone, empty your pockets. One of you must have it. Entitled parent basically runs out of the shop while dragging her child behind her. The group that had gathered around us were laughing so hard. My future mother-in-law, at this point in my life, taught me in a previous post how throwing more crazy at these types of people seems to throw them and they can't handle it. A couple helped me refit my leg and I finished my shopping and went on my way. This entitled mother didn't just put her own foot in her mouth, she could have also put OP's foot in her mouth. Our next Reddit story is from Jelly Roll Rider, and fair warning on this one, this story involves the death of a child. Hey Reddit, I thought I'd share a story my mom told me years ago from her time as a nurse in an emergency room. My mom has told me this story multiple times, but I'm still going off memory. About 15 years ago, my mom was working the night shift in an emergency room when they got called by an incoming ambulance to be prepared for incoming car crash victims, including an unresponsive toddler. What had happened was a pregnant mother with a five-year-old in the back was driving drunk the wrong way down the highway and hit a minivan head-on. The minivan had a mother and her 18-month-old baby in the backseat. To simplify injuries, the minivan driver had collapsed lungs, concussion, and neck injuries. The baby was unresponsive, which was extremely serious. The five-year-old had bruising from the seatbelt and whiplash. The drunk woman somehow only had a dislocated shoulder and some bruising. When the victims arrive, the baby is the first to be worked on. The baby isn't breathing on its own, so the entire staff, minus two, are working on them. One doctor checks on the five-year-old, who, for the most part, is okay, and one nurse works on the minivan driver, who is in bad shape but stable. One nurse quickly checks on the drunk woman but determines she's okay and goes to help with the baby. This is where she goes from just being a jerk to being pure evil. The drunk woman apparently starts yelling at the doctors and nurses that she's in pain and needs to be seen now and she wants pain medication. 
One of the doctors tells her she's fine and they need to focus on the baby who is near death. The woman doesn't care and wants her pain meds. She can't have any anyways because she's drunk. Over the next 20 to 25 minutes, my mom and the doctors desperately try to save the baby while the lady, who is handcuffed to a stretcher in the hallway because all the other rooms are full and is under arrest, is screaming at them the entire time that she wants to be seen and wants drugs. You all don't have to work on them. Someone come help me. Unfortunately, the baby didn't make it. This was very hard for the staff to accept, and my mom, along with one of the other nurses, starts crying. It's at this moment, the lady screams something to the effect, Okay, the baby's gone now. Can someone come help me now? My mom is a very professional person who treats her patients with respect, even when they don't deserve it. But in this case, she just loses it. She runs up to the lady, who is still handcuffed to her stretcher because she's under arrest for DUI, and grabs her by the hair. She drags this woman by her hair, still attached to the stretcher, into the baby's room and makes her look at the baby she killed. The lady tries to look away, but my mom starts screaming at her. Look what you did! You killed this child! That's why we weren't helping you. We were saving the baby you killed. Look at them. Look at them. At this point, the security and police remove my mom from the room and calm her down. She's sent home and immediately suspended from her job. They seriously considered firing her, but all the doctors in the hospital stood up for her, so she was just suspended for two weeks without pay and had to take a sensitivity class instead. The lady who caused the accident ended up being an illegal immigrant and spent five years in prison before being deported. I wish I could end this story on a happier note, but nothing about this story is happy. Ending this story with the image of this jerk being dragged by her hair through an emergency room with a dislocated arm is the best I can do. Five years? This woman got five years? If you were the judge on this case, would you give this woman five years? Let me know down in the comments what sentence you would give this woman. Our next Reddit post is from Bippity Boppity Boo. So my parents kinda treat me like a maid. I do all laundry, housekeeping, washing, cleaning, basically everything. So I recently attempted suicide yesterday actually and I'm in the hospital writing this and I'm actually allowed my phone which is kind of cool. So when I woke up after having my stomach pumped and recovering the nurse went to get my family. They come in and immediately started yelling. Why did you pull this stunt? Imagine the payments for this effing room and ambulance. Then my father says, who will wash the dishes? Do laundry, you effing. The nurse says, I'm sorry, but you have to leave. She's in a fragile mental state. I started crying almost immediately after they began yelling. She is our daughter. We have to be here. No, ma'am, please leave. She is very sensitive. You effing nurse. I bet you have been doing nothing this entire day, you lazy person. You know that thing people think where nurses get a lot of breaks and are lazy? Yeah, my parents are those types of people. Leave us. 
Ma'am, I need you to stop cursing and leave. Fine! So they left. I never thought my parents were entitled as they did defend me to certain things like my entitled aunt saying it was my fault I was raped and more of her BS. But they are actually extremely entitled. This is one instance of my parents' secret entitlement. They were yelling outside of my room as well. They were very pissed about my attempt, obviously. So I went back and forth for a while trying to figure out if I should publish this story because I don't like showcasing abuse as entertainment. But ultimately, I decided to because this behavior is not normal. And to be honest, I'm a little bit worried at how normal OP thinks that it is. OP, your parents aren't entitled. They're worse than that. They're toxic. I really recommend you check out the subreddit r slash raised by narcissist. It kind of sounds like you might be living in that situation. I'm really worried about the line where you say, hey, you know that thing people think where nurses are really lazy? No, actually, nobody knows that because nobody thinks that. Actually, the popular sentiment about nurses nowadays is that they're grossly overworked. So if you think that's a widespread opinion, then your parents are lying to you so much that you're believing their lies. I'm not in any way, shape, or form criticizing OP in this situation because OP is 100% the victim. What I'm doing is trying to bring attention to the fact that sometimes people suffer abuse and don't realize just how bad it is. In fact, I almost certainly have viewers watching this video right now who are suffering abuse and don't realize it's abuse. If someone close to you is making you suffer, that is not normal. And I strongly encourage you to reach out to someone for help. r slash raised by narcissist is a really good start. That was r slash entitled parents. And just a reminder, I have started putting out podcasts of all of my YouTube videos. You can find the link down in the description.